had a mentor one time tell me to be successful in any business, not not, not just real estate investing, is uh, you got to be a binder, a grinder, or a finder. And to be successful, hopefully you have two of the three. You know, a binder is someone who puts all the pieces together so it works. A grinder is someone, I think, like an analyst or a property manager taking care of the small details you don't see. And a finder is someone who goes out and finds that business and brings it to the group. And if you can have two or ideally three of the three, those things matter. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney. So we are diving back in with our guest today, Andy Sinclair. I'm going to remind you, I hope you'll go back and listen to yesterday's segment with him uh, if you didn't already. Today, we're going to continue the uh, conversation, but we're going to dive into what is a JV equity and preferred equity and and why is that uh, maybe a good option for investors or not or some questions that you may want to be asking if you are an LP. Andy, welcome back to the show. Honored to get to spend some more time with you and diving in uh, to uh, you know Midlock and how you all operate and a number of things. And you added so much value to us and the listeners yesterday. I hope the listeners will go back, if you didn't, and, and hear yesterday's segment where Andy dove into and markets they're focused on and why and a, a number of other things around distressed funds and, and even some buying criteria that they stick to. I think it's valuable for whether you're an LP or or uh, an operator, you need to listen to that uh, and so and think about that as you're going into deals. Uh, so, Andy, welcome back to, again today. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, let's jump right back in. I know at Midlock, you know, you all are, uh, you know, you're coming in with what we talked about a little bit, some of that rescue capital, right? Rescue funds, and and you're finding deals that way as well. Sometimes it may be uh, through what's called, you know, JV equity, preferred equity, maybe uh, even on a on a high level, tell us what that means a little bit for a newer LP that's listening. Maybe they they hear that terminology, JV equity, preferred equity. And as an LP, I'm not really sure what that means for me. You know? Yeah. Well, happy to break that down for you, Whitney. And so Midlock at our core is we're a real estate operator and investment company. Um, and while we have operations, meaning property people, construction people, accountants, we also have, uh, well, that can operate the property. We also have our brand in Midlock, which we are quite avid in being real estate, LP, JV equity, preferred equity, or co-GP equity. And what that means in a simplistic form, Whitney, is we partner up with smaller to medium-sized real estate uh, companies. Now, some could be a full-fledged operator. Maybe they syndicate, maybe they do not. Uh, but most real estate companies, for the most part, they do two things really well. They find deals, which that's important, and then they do really good operations. But what they're lacking is the full picture, right? Which might include, you know, equity, right? Which Midlock provides from our funds and our syndications. They might lack banking relationships. They might lack, you know, accounting or some other stuff. And so Midlock, we act as a strategic investor that is an operator to bring all those pieces together. But what we get in exchange, though, is while we are an operator or a real estate person, we're a real estate person that also happens to be an investor. And we put all those pieces together to bring a good deal. Uh, and sometimes, Whitney, that means we're bringing more than just money. We're bringing resources. Um, I know I was sharing kind of in our pre-show, for instance, last week, uh, we have, a, you know, we've got national uh, vendor relationships that we will bring to our local partners 
Um, for instance, one was trying to appeal taxes and didn't have a good vendor to appeal property taxes. And so we referred them a vendor. Or we were working with a vendor in Phoenix or an operator in Phoenix, I should say, that needed a small amount uh, for like 100-year flood insurance. Well, in Phoenix, they're not very avid in bidding flood insurance. So Midlock as an operator, we brought our insurance people in um, that operate both in the Midwest and in Florida and Texas to help them bid out that flood insurance. So we... Uh, at our core, we're an investor, we're an operator, but we're also bringing resources to smaller and medium-sized real estate companies that are our local operating partners. I can see that being very advantageous for operators, right? That don't have some of those resources, right? And it could be the difference in in the deal working or not, right? Uh, you sure. know, in, some, in a lot of scenarios, I think even in one we were talking about before we started recording, right? In the the insurance piece, right? You all had a connection uh, uh, that that what drastically reduced their insurance, right? Or maybe there's a that example or another one, maybe could you share, uh, you know, of how you all have come in and, and made that work like that? Yeah, it's a good example. So we had a property in Phoenix and, you know, it's at the very, very edge of a, like a hundred year plus floodplain. And so the lender in that property in particular required us to buy emergency insurance, like if it ever happened, right? And so our partner, our local partner contacted their local insurance agent um, and they brought us very expensive quotes to get this, you know, this very sliver, you know, call it almost pandemic flood insurance. Now, if you don't actively bid that pricing out, though, on a consistent basis, then there's not really a lot of incentives for insurance companies to give you the best pricing or tell you how to do that. And so we brought our resources, we brought some of our insurance people that operate nationally and regionally to help better get that pricing down. We were able to get the insurance costs down 70% on that, uh, that call it that 100-year flood insurance that we needed to meet the lender requirements. So that's just one example, but every property needs something, whether it be on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. There's always a resource we're providing here at Midlock to our local partners. Um, and I think that's key to having a good, not only a good marriage, but a good partnership, right? You got to communicate and bring resources to each other to make it successful. How are you all, say, finding the partners that are in distress or that that need help from Midlock? Yeah, and Whitney, one thing I want to caveat, we t- work with a lot of partners that aren't distressed, and we also work with partners that are distressed. We do both. You know, it's not just one bucket or another. Uh, ideally, our partners are not distressed and they're a, a full-fledged company that's operating normally. Um, at our core, though, it's about local relationships. So Midlock, you know, my partners and I and our team, you know, we've been in business here uh, between the group of us. Everyone's been in the business for 15 to 20 years. And so we have both regional and national networks that, you know, across the United States of real estate uh, groups. But then also we have other contacts, whether it be bankers or accountants, that help us kind of further identify, you know, people that we think are good candidates to work with. And then once we identify them, though, or they come to us, we have to evaluate them. So it's not just about the real estate. You also need the operator, the local people to work. And, you know, like I tell every operator, Every deal is an encore for a future real estate property investment. And so you need to get the first one right. So that way, investors will stick with you for the long term. And so that's why we spend a lot of time up front to make sure we have the right people. How are you all raising the most capital right now? What's your ways of getting in front of the most investors or or types of investors? Yeah, so Midlock has a a dual prog. Uh, source when it comes to funding. We have our uh, discretionary funds. So Midlock is on its third fund right now. 
Um, it's my seventh fund um, that I've worked on personally. Predating Midlock, I worked on four funds for a different group known as MLG Capital as a multi-billion dollar real estate operator. Um, and then as well as we have our individual property syndications and we use them kind of yin and yang, you know, for smaller properties um, or for properties that we think have just the right amount of money. We keep those typically in the fund. Uh, but then when we think the property is too big or we want to maybe diversify some risk and share maybe a good deal with investors, we'll also offer a syndication or what we refer to as a sidecar alongside our fund for investors to come in. And that way, you know, you have the ability to pick individual properties, but also you've got the fund. Um, and the way we keep it all fair, Whitney, is we typically give a little bit of a fee discount. Um, we give the best deal to our fund investors. So that way, if you're in both, you get the best deal. Um, but we've got two options to raise money. Um, and we try to keep both groups of investors happy. And I'm proud to say most people are doing both for us or investing in both. Yeah, I like that. We've done some sidecars at, at times uh, as well. And so, but just for the listener that uh, may not understand that ultimately you're, you have a large multi-asset fund, right? So I can invest and I'm diversified across maybe uh, a number of assets, right? Uh, but then but then you all will do a sidecar, almost like its own little fund on a right. per deal basis. So maybe if I'm an investor, because I hear this often from our investors too, it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, I want to know the deal that I'm investing in or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the reason is. Every investor has different things they're trying to accomplish. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I want to know that deal so they can invest through the sidecar and accomplish that same thing. Is that accurate? That is 100% accurate. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Love that uh, That thought process and, and uh uh, and just the the opportunity for investors, right? Depending on what their what their goals are, trying to uh, accomplish. Uh, you know, what does a fund typically look like? How many deals are you all putting in a fund, and and how what's the life cycle of the fund? Well, we probably diversified a little too much, but we typically are looking to put anywhere from fifteen to twenty properties in a fund, um, and all shapes and sizes and different property types. You know, so I know apartments is a very popular syndication uh, uh, type, but apartments only make up about 40% of our funds. You know, we're big believers in industrial warehouses and retail and to a lesser extent, some self-storage or maybe even some distressed office. And so we try to keep it diversified because that way you're hedging your risk of any one property uh, ends up maybe not going the way you think. Uh, but, you know, you still want to maybe overweight a few winners in there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what What's your uh, best advice for passive investors right now? My best advice right now is your capital is needed. So don't take that lightly. So if you're looking to get in, make sure this is the operator that can take you through this cycle and into the next one, but also make sure that they're, they're doing what they say they're going to do. So a couple sins I see. And so as a disclosure, Whitney, I invest my personal money with more operators and syndicators other than just Midlock, which is the brand I represent. And so I'm able to kind of see stuff and how other people do it, both good and bad. And so if they're not communicating, that's strike one. Uh, the second thing I will tell you, other than communicating on strike two is, are they hitting their underwriting or is their underwriting off? So, so often before a deal starts, Whitney, I will tell you most operators and syndicators, their underwriting is wildly optimistic. And often you know, there's times I say to my colleagues, I'll say as a friend, hey, just take a 10,000 foot view. If I said this to you, would you still invest? And they usually say no. And then I always say, well, why would you raise someone else's money? And then if you don't believe those assumptions, and that's because the incentives are misaligned, right? The incentives for them to do a deal and make a fee are high. 
right? And so you got to be really careful. You can't just do a deal. So strike one is communication. If they're not doing communication, get out. If it's strike two, if they're wildly missing and they don't actually, uh, aren't actually conservative, even though they told you they were the most conservative investor you have ever met, that's strike two. You know, and finally, strike three, I would tell you, which is, you know, what's their track record, right? And consistency. It's okay to have a deal, maybe not go the way you think. So try to evaluate those things. Then know as an investor, your capital is needed right now. So try to pick the people you think are best going to make it through the next few years and take care of you financially. That's right. No doubt about it. I, I And that's uh, one thing I love about this business is the the relationship component, right? I mean, get to know your operator you know, before you invest. What about, uh, what's a big challenge y'all are facing right now, uh, you know, just in at Midlock? Yeah, I think right now, and this is obviously not anything new, um, right now the amount of investable deal flow is low. You know, our deal flow, the number of deals coming through the, you know, the, you know, coming through the gates every week is high. It's remained high. Um, but we have talked in the past, Wendy, about the the bid-ask spread. And even though it's come down, it's not necessarily come down enough. Now, while the Fed has slightly pivoted to maybe easing, the Treasury rates have come in just a tad. I feel like that has only helped deals that got priced a week ago or a month ago, right? Um, unfortunately, the market is somewhat efficient. So just because the Fed talks about easing, the brokers and sellers try to get their price to go up. And I don't blame them. Um, but finding that right balance of uh, consistency and having the underwriting work as well as things you can perform on, that's very tough right now. Um, and so Midlock has taken a patience. Well, we have capital to invest. Our belief is you don't need to rush. You much rather be doing deals you believe in and stress tests than rushing in to deals because it, we, we thought it was the right time. So patience matters. It does matter. No doubt about it. Uh, what about, uh, what are some of the most important metrics uh, that you track, Andy? Could be personally or professionally. Uh, we track every metric you could imagine. Uh, but we, you know, look uh, consistently, one of my favorite metrics just off the bat is just two easy ones at a property level, which is occupancy and revenue. Um, now, expenses matter, so revenue can't be the end-all, be-all, but it's always interesting to see, you know, what's your occupancy, how full are you, and where is your revenue growing? Because that's going to tell you if you're hitting your business plan or not. You know, one thing we try to do at Midlock um, when it comes to apartments and even some of our commercial assets, one of the areas we try to hold some conservatism in is, let's say the market might be 95 or 97% full. Well, maybe that means we underwrite that market 90 to 93% full. You know, so we're not underwriting every ounce of occupancy. And hopefully in reality, we will get that income associated with it being more full. But we try to build in certain areas in our modeling that when it comes to real life operations, we'll be able to track and hopefully exceed those goals. And for the handful of deals where it goes a little slow, well, that means we're around the money then with our with our operations. Uh, but from a metric standpoint, we look at everything, whether it be IRR, equity multiple, occupancy, revenue, you know, everything matters. Uh, and as we've talked about in the past, Whitney, your debt part matters just as much. So you got to track those metrics. You can't you can't just look at one. You got to look them all in a vacuum. What about some habits, Andy, that you are focused on uh, that have produced a return for you on a daily basis? 
Yeah. Um, well, I think the first part is you got to set a business plan and then you got to be able to go out and hit it. Right. So we always say at Midlock, you're looking for kind of two or four ways to make money. Um, and so on a monthly basis, Whitney, um, you got to kind of set goals that you think you can hit and then break that down into 90 day increments, uh, then down to monthly, down to, down to weekly. Um, and so Midlock, we get together on a weekly basis and we track how are we doing to hit those metrics and are there tweaks we have to make at the properties? Um, everything can be from apartments take like, is our rate high or is it too low? Is our occupancy too low? What are things we need to tweak? Um, for instance, I was at one of our properties just a few weeks ago and uh, beautiful renovation, but the property had been vacant or that unit had been vacant for about 75 days. Well, it just meant our pricing was too high, right? And we had to do a few tweaks on, you know, maybe some final renovations to maybe make it rent ready. You know, those type of stuff that if you ignore, it can become a long-term problem. So it's been on top of your metrics and your and your business plan, but you got to start at a high level and then work it down to a daily basis. Otherwise, uh, you'll never make it out. I see too many people focused on the day-to-day and not focused on the long-term. Yeah, I, I appreciate the uh, even the 30-day the check-in like that, like you're talking about. Or there's things like that that you need to build habits around, right, that may not be every day. Uh, you may notice other trends, right, looking at it over a week or four-week basis, for, right, versus every day. Yeah, totally. What about uh, the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Communications, hands down. Um, you know, there's always... You can't just be one thing, Whitney. Um, one thing I mentioned, I think, on a pre-call is I had a mentor one time tell me to be successful in any business, not not, not just real estate investing, is uh, you got to be a binder, a grinder, or a finder. And to be successful, hopefully, you have two of the three. You know, a binder is someone who puts all the pieces together so it works. A grinder is someone, I think, like an analyst or a property manager taking care of the small details you don't see. And a finder is someone who goes out and finds that business and brings it to the group. And if you can have two or ideally three of the three, those things matter. I like to say, Whitney, any given day, I'm all three or just one. I'm wherever I need to be for my company. And so that's the secret to success. And then you layer on good habits like communication and consistency. And that will be things that will you know, hopefully take you to the next step. And how do you like to give back? Well, uh, I try to be very generous with my time. I'm very big into mentoring. Um, obviously, there's always charitable giving, which, you know, my team, we always pick a few charities a year. Um, so this year, we donated to the Chicago Furniture Bank, which one of our teammates is a part of, which helps supply, you know, furniture and housing for those that, you know, are in very, very desperate need. Uh, but then there's also other charities we give to, such as like the Boy Scouts of America or uh, Marquette University, which we've got a charitable relationship with. Um, but I'm a big believer on our team, though. Everyone should make time then to go volunteer. So it's not just, you know, it's not just making money. You have to go do things in the community. Um, one thing, Whitney, and I've said this on a different podcast, I shave my head every year in honor of my parents who passed away from cancer. Mm. So my hair actually just grew back uh, in time for this podcast recording. But if you would have caught me about eight weeks ago, I was totally bald. And so raising awareness for cancer and people that have gone through their struggles. Um, so it's one part making money, but other part doing good. Yeah. Wow. Appreciate you just raising awareness, right? In so many ways uh, and giving back, even uh, the mentoring, like you mentioned, also uh, even giving back to us today, Andy, and yesterday through uh, a series of shows, spending so much time with us and sharing 
uh, the successes of Midlock and things you all are learned and put things you put in place to be successful as well so we can all all learn. Uh, and so tell the listeners again how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Yeah, so I have a fairly simple email. My email is just Andy, A-N-D-Y, at Midlock, which is M-I-D-L-O-C-H. So just like the Loch Ness Monster. So Andy at Midlock.com. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 